To paraphrase Hunter S. Thompson, when you get locked into a serious beer collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. Cheers. Son of a bitch! Give me a drink! Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast. We've got a very special treat for our listeners today, a brand new brewery. On tap today, we've got a live tasting, brewery news, and conversations about beer and the challenges of brewing in a crowded market space. Today, we're sitting down with the owners of Eagle Park Brewing. They opened their doors on January 28th, so we're talking brand new, folks. We've got Jake Schinker, creative director, and Jackson Borgart, head brewer. Say hello, guys. How's it going? What's up? Thanks yeah. for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. This is a, this is a real treat. We've been dealing with a lot of really established breweries who've been doing it for years and you know they they're, they're set in their ways so we're really excited to talk to you guys and see uh, what what the, the the edge of the industry is like yes we're definitely fresh that's for sure <laughs> you're, you're a real upstart and you're definitely on the smaller side so you've got a lot more challenges than some of these larger breweries so we're really interested in uh, hearing how you've overcome them well, I mean, I think just as many challenges, there's actually a lot of benefits too. You know, challenges, uh, obviously not getting enough beer out to as fast as you want to. That's definitely a, a big concern of ours is, you know, we have all these people calling us asking for beer and we just have to look at them and say, one day, like <laughs> maybe soon. <laughs> definitely a time constraint too. Brewing four or five days a week, 12 hours a day is uh, definitely takes time away from doing all the other things that go along with brewing and running a brewery. And I, I think even... Even being as small as we are, even my brother Max uh, not being 100% full-time yet. So he still has another job. So it's basically me day-to-day for the most part. And then Jake and Max both, you know, when they aren't working, are here. So it's definitely, those are the main uh, challenges of Eagle Park for sure. I think the the benefits for sure uh, is the ability to experiment. Uh, Because we're a smaller brewery, I can really go to town on, on, on new things and really trying and not having to worry about oh god this 30 barrel batch what happens if this goes bad or i don't like this i'm not just gonna dump it in the drain you know it's way different working with uh, uh one barrel batches so it definitely gives me the, the freedom to to try new things. So uh, let's talk about your introduction to craft brewing. Was there a beer that you tried once upon a time that really turned your head? And uh, what, what brought you into brewing on your own? My first experience with craft beer, I went to college down in Louisiana to LSU. So uh, the big brewery down there is Abita. Oh, and sure. they're like the only ones who distribute bomber bottles anywhere. And they're at gas stations. There's that much of them out there. And craft beer, when I was down there, wasn't that big yet. So I was... Definitely Definitely one of the more adventurous uh, beer drinkers out of my friend group and started buying these bomber bottles and it was just truly interesting beer and for a college kid sure it was a little expensive but uh, definitely worth the flavor that I was getting and that just sparked my interest right away. Um, started kind of researching home brewing when I was still in school but didn't really get into it until uh, I got back to Wisconsin and uh, shortly after I met up with these guys. Yeah. We got a lot better at home brewing. Yeah for me um, Max and I, my other our other partner, uh, my brother kind of discovered craft beer together. I would have to say the first beers that we drank together were probably Lakefront IPA I would say that was probably the first beer and I remember me and him you know he was you know I was mildly not legal at the time but <laughs> but uh but Max would buy it and and we'd be sitting there and and I remember cracking it open and drinking this and being like 
what is this delicious nectar? <laughs> and I think from then on, we both just kept experiencing brand new beers and definitely always leaned on the hoppier side for sure, but not straying away from, you know, trying any style. But I think it was like about four years ago, Max and I have been talking for quite a few months about, you know, homebrewing and wanting to start up. And, and I finally uh, sacked up and uh, spent the money on the equipment. I mean, if you know Max and I, we definitely go everything all out we went all grain right away didn't brew a single extract batch i guess we just got hooked from from day one first batch i brewed a hoppy uh brown ale and it, it turned out great i think from like then on out i was brewing at least two or three times if not more a month so like and then it only increased as time went so it yeah, yeah you guys awesome. didn't even do like out of the box recipes to begin with. No, there was all all our recipes all off the cuff. from from day one. I couldn't get enough studying and, and reading. You know anything I could absorb, I I would. So was was there any one batch that you guys brewed where you guys were like, now is the time. This is the thing that we need to get out there. Or was it just the process that you loved, just coming up with the new recipes? Um, I th- I think early on there wasn't really. What I was most proud of is is you know we never really lost we never lost a batch. All the beers were solid we were really happy with them but there wasn't really one beer that i was like all right this beer is gonna be here in the in our future brewery like it wasn't until we decided okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna start a brewery that i really kind of focused on creating these some of these beers that i have on now so how did you uh transition from brewing in your garage to actually creating a brewery and opening up oddly enough i mean from a from a brewing standpoint our process the actual brewing process is is changed a little but i think it's mainly for us the the change of like all the record keeping and aging process you know working with a bright tank and a car like so some of those little things that a home brewer doesn't do i think that was the hardest the hardest thing for sure to to kind of oh now we, it's real it's like we have to do this but i mean the the brewing system that we have right now is actually the system that i honed all these recipes in on so i use a, a sabco brew magic and i'm brewing the same 12 gallon batches every run that i was you know two years ago so i, I I think for us that was a really big deal because it kind of eased the transition into into professional brewing whereas if I would have started with a you know a seven barrel or a ten barrel which is at one point I think what we were talking about doing I don't think it would have been as easy of a transition I mean I, definitely we could have done it but it definitely wouldn't have been all right let's brew these batches and open up it would have been let's brew these batches a couple times you know see where things are and then once we get it down all right now we're going to start to, to open up. Cool. It kind of lets you uh, hit the ground running a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So you're the only one that works the brewery full time. How do you guys handle still having a, a day job for the other two? I uh, tend to double dip a lot, and, uh, <laughs> especially with uh, kind of my job description is doing a lot of our uh, social media and all of our graphic design work. So I'm graphic design is my day job. So I'm able to whip up a quick document if we need it or mess around with a logo if an event needs it. So for me, it's not too bad. I work for a, my family's company, so they're pretty cool about <laughs> supporting me cool. but yeah it's uh gradually here it's definitely more hours getting spent here it's slowly chipping away at my day job so hopefully in the near future here well three of us will be on full-time because it's definitely getting to the point where it can support us so that's cool uh, I'm, I'm max is a bar manager at maddie's out in new berlin um and he works 50 60 hours there full-time so he he'll be here from like 10 to 4 and then go work from 5 to 3 every night so he definitely he definitely has the biggest uh you know low d 
to bear as far as that goes. I mean, he's got, you know, a wife and two small children too. So, so that's, I think that's definitely frustrating for him. And, and now we're able to solely, like Jake said, chip away at his workload over there. So now uh, starting next week, he'll be here mostly full time now. So it's, it's going to be really great to have him around and uh, Jake as well, obviously. And well, Jake, as a creative director, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, about the emblem, the eagle. What what kind of thought and process went into the um, into the brand? Um, so our brand being rock music and craft beer, we kind of wanted a logo that kind of bridged both those. That you'd it'd be equally as home on the front of a bass drum as it would on a bottle. So we went the design process from working with an eagle is more difficult than we expected because every culture has used it for thousands of years, and it's <laughs> going to look like one thing or another and was trying to not look like too much of any of them. Worked with a great branding company. I can't take the credit for doing our whole brand, but because that was something I had never done before. And making a brand cohesive across everything is a really an art form. But now that we kind of have our base down, I'm able to take our attributes and work them into new stuff. It's been, we definitely built it to be flexible and really brand forward and recognizable on a shelf. So. And it, it, you know, like a big thing was we wanted it to look like, like Jake said, like it looked like it would belong on a like a, a bass drum head or or a patch you know on a on a jacket or, you know a sticker on a guitar case like we want it to have that rock and roll vibe to it and and i think i think we we captured it oddly enough the eagle the original name of our brewery was actually eagle trace brewing company which is our band name and if i don't know obviously if the viewers listeners can't but if you can see our uh, you can see our logo we're gonna get pictures so our, yeah. our listeners will see it see everything in here too and it's uh it's a little bit more of a sharper cleaner cut eagle for that and and we wanted to update it and make it a little unique to us for the brewery and yeah eagle trace brewing company so it's it was e t and the the arms or the wings or whatever and then uh that was a a b for eagle trace brewing company and we actually had a cease and desist after we put in our trademark for eagle trace from buffalo trace it was sazerac who owns sazerac brands and uh we got one from eagles trace winery out in uh, Napa or Sonoma, one of, one of them. I remember getting that phone call. We had already done all of our branding was almost all the way done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything was like ready to go. We're like super excited to be like, all right, we're moving in in a month to the brewery. Like this is all going smooth as can be. It was uh, Sarah, my fiance's birthday. So I, we took the day off and I was just drinking all day. And I think it was, I was at lunch and Max called me and I could tell he was like really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't uncommon for Max, but he, uh, he's gonna kill me for saying that. He's gonna kill me. Uh, anyway, it's on the record, He's gonna come through there with a bat tomorrow. And uh, he uh, was like, yeah, um, I just got off of the trademark office. And I was like, oh, so we got our trademark and everything? He's like, no, we didn't. We, we can't. And I was like, can't? Like, And he's like, yeah, no, we can't. Eagles Trace Winery is too close in name. And now the laws, have, because of all these trademark you know, fighting between all the breweries and distilleries and wineries, they're all fighting each other. They're like making it way more cut and dry. So if you own a, you know, a, a trademark in wine, it's for everything. And our lawyer told us that wasn't the case it said you know under their trademark liquor except beer so we're like oh we're good we're good to go no big deal at all and we're like all right well let's appeal it and we called the the trademark lawyer and and he's like uh yeah no i I don't think i'll ever approve this like you could definitely fight it for sure but you're probably just gonna spend money and lose and we're gonna and he's like well you could ask permission and i was like 
And I was like, yeah. And doesn't benefit up, them at all. No. Say yes. so, so, you know, they have one of the best law firms in San Francisco, and no good lawyer is going to ever say, yeah, say yes. Let's be nice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then a week later is when we got the cease and desist from Sazerac Brands. And so we were just like, all right, I guess it's officially dead. And we were like, we were originally like, all right, I guess we have to change the whole name. And for like two or three weeks, we were just freaking out, like, what the hell are we going to call this brewery that we are moving in in a month? Going we had submitted with, paperwork and everything. Yeah, our, 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 our TTB paperwork was already sent in. Everything was everything was done, and so we were just we were like so furious and and upset. And uh, finally, um, I don't know who said it. It might have been my dad. Give him credit. Why not? It might have been my dad. <laughs> and he said, "Well, how about you call it Eagle Park?" And I was like, because uh, basically the Eagle Trace came from the street that we grew up on in New Berlin. That's the name of the band. It's where our band was formed. It's where I started homebrewing. And so that was why I was Eagle Trace. And so the name now is Eagle Trace and Deer Park Drive. It's the corner that we lived on. So we just kind of fused them together and we were like, all right, this, this works. And basically we took the B in the logo and turned it to a P and we didn't have to change too much. And it, it worked out fine. And, you know, the logo still looks cool. I mean, yeah. It was I mean, a lot cooler. But me. But. <laughs> it was a lot cooler. And, and, you know, it's definitely hard when someone says, hey, what does Eagle Park come from? Oh, well, we had a trademarking issue it's with Eagle Trace. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we got a cease and desist from Sazerac Brand. So now, you know, Eagle Park, Deer Park, you know, and, and everyone just goes, oh, okay. Rather than just saying, yeah, it's Eagle Trace. It's the street we grew up on, you know. So it's it's definitely a little bit more annoying, but it's it's a story. I think we're going to frame that, that uh, cease and desist from Sazerac Brands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we made it. We made it. <laughs> It does make for a great story. So, yeah, that's. It was a very interesting time for sure last summer. And so, how did you kind of cobble together the initial funds to get this started and make that big plunge? It's got to be pretty scary, right? Uh, oh, having yeah. you know you're going to be brewing a little bit on the smaller side. Definitely, uh, we were we were pretty lucky um, being in the the bar business. Max and I had both been working in restaurants since we were like 16. Between the two of us, probably like 12, you know, 14 years of, of working in restaurants. So when you're when you're in a bar, you meet a lot of people, and a lot of people come in and they're always talking to you, and you know they you share your especially with your regulars. And and Max had been saying for a while, oh yeah, my you know brother you know Jake and I are, are thinking about starting a brewery and uh, it just so happened that that one of his regulars also happens to be a very um, what's the best word to say it successful successful man. Uh, well, anesthesiologist yes. well to do <laughs> yes and um, he was looking for to you know to invest in something and and he's a big craft beer fan and it just it worked from day one and I, I think we were we were pretty lucky we didn't have to you know knock on too many doors we didn't have to drum up too much sales as far as that goes. I think we were also fortunate too that with our business model of how small we are, it was a lot more flexible. We weren't looking for as much money as say we were going with a 30 barrel system. Sure, yeah. It gets up to crazy numbers when you're starting out a small or thinking about a small business. We didn't have, a, yeah, we didn't have a $1.5 million price tag. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Ours was a fraction of that and I think that also, like Jake said, really helped. So uh, two things that we're big on at the Tap Takeover podcast is telling beer stories and taking over taps. We always like to encourage our brewers to tell their brewery story through their beers. If Eagle Park were to take over the taps at the Tap Takeover podcast, which of your many beers would you choose to tell that story? Um, I mean, I would say for sure Loop Station. Loop Station I actually developed uh, about a year ago. Right about that time is when we were looking at our lineup and kind of what we want and we noticed that there was kind of a, a lacking in the you know lighter, more sessionable you know, everybody can drink category. 
talked about doing, you know, a Pilsner. We talked about doing a Kolsch. You know, I was kind of toying around with the idea of doing some something with like a Mexican lager type, you know, I concept. And, you know, I did a little research into it and I learned that a lot of the original Mexican lagers were done by, you know, Austrian and German brewers. And then I was like, okay, well, how about, you know, we do kind of like a Kolsch and then give it that Latin twist and probably really odd thinking and, and how I came to that but but yeah it's a you know it's a German malt bill Vienna malt and uh, I use a Kolsch yeast strain and then I give it that little agave nectar lime peel and sea salt just to make it a really bright refreshing beer that I think is very unique to us and and who we are i mean a big part of what we try to do is create flavorful more sessionable beers and i think that beer really showcases that craft beer can have flavor in a more sessionable drinkable package hence the name loop station Station. a beer you can put on repeat yes and if i recall these two uh max and jake uh did not like the idea at all (laughs) (laughs) and they said oh that'll never work and i was like it's gonna work and i remember pulling it out of the keg and giving them a glass and then go, screw you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's our number one selling beer. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you guys call it a golden ale, but it really kind of does defy description. It's it's a little bit of and, a bunch of different stuff. And it's hard, and that's why I was. It's really hard to give it a, a style. And you know, I, I don't want to call it a Kolsch because it's not a true Kolsch, and I don't want to call it you know a blonde. So we just kind of came with, well, why don't we just call it a golden ale? I don't know. It, it's hard to describe, like you said, and and so that's why we we sit on that. Right, so how about some others? What uh, what other beers? would you use to tell that story? I would say Setlist probably is another good one. Def- our uh, sessionable IPA. The story behind the name is we just wanted a good IPA that you could drink through a whole, playing a whole set as a band. So as far as well, yeah, grain and malt. We're musicians. We're in a band called Eagle Trace and we've been playing for six years as a band. It's actually me and all my brothers and another friend of ours and, and we've made the mistake way too many shows of having too many high octane <laughs> beers and then stepping up on stage and making a fool of ourselves. Uh, um, I mean, I remember a specific time of uh, playing in Madison, and uh, they had Dogfish 120 on. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> and me having three of them before I went on stage thinking, all right, if I drink three of them now, it's going to take about, uh, you know, I'm playing for a half hour. It's going to take maybe 45 minutes for this beer to really kick in. <laughs> so after the show, I'm going to be good to go. Didn't work. I got on stage. I got like half a song in, and I, I, I almost, I could feel my pupils like dilating. <laughs> it was right on stage. And I think that whole show, if you saw me, I was just playing, like, just looking at my hands like, all right, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. So, yeah, that was kind of the inspiration of that beer. Um, you know, again, a, a very flavorful beer in a more sessional package it's a it's a five hop blend our earlier um, versions of setlist was only one or two hops and they were typically very expensive you know like most home brewers obviously you want to you want to have awesome hops and you really care about paying you know three dollars for an ounce for a galaxy because it's like i'm doing it for fun i might as well make something really awesome well on the other hand of that when you're opening a brewery tends to change your uh your thinking a little bit oh that's gonna cost that all right well uh all right so we're gonna twist it up and and that's why you know i figured um by switching to a five hop blend you know they're all very commercially readily available too and i mean one of the earlier versions had, I believe, Nelson Savin in it, which was a pipe dream at best. 
And um, <laughs> so uh, it's a Simcoe forward IPA. And again, it, it really lets the, the hops really shine through to make a really bright citrusy IPA that you can you can drink, you know, beer after beer and, and not, you know, fall down halfway through the set. Very good. What are the other hops in there? Um, Cascade, Centennial, uh, Nugget, and uh, Columbus. Oh, all right. Some almost CTZ, but not Yes. <laughs> So exactly. what about what about some of your bigger beers? That what would you tell your story with for the for the big boys here? Uh, Immortal Soul for sure. Um, we came up with that concept while brewing in a, in our my parents' garage. We were like looking around trying to come up with like our awesome you know IPA that people are going to be like, all right, this is the IPA that they should be known for. Like craft beer people will go, all right, we love this. And I, I did when I first tried it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Max was like, well, you know, what if we could do a beer? that's year-round but it's the the hop is rotating and I was like oh it's a really cool idea but like will that work and he's like well what if we keep everything the exact same but change the you know the the hop that you use and I was like oh well I mean that sounds awesome what would you call it and he's like never happens with the name how about a mortal soul and I was like all right a mortal soul it is I mean <laughs> names are tough but it, it really works so it's like the same soul different personality that's the concept for the beer same bitterness same I you that's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> same color, alcohol percentage, but it really lets you, you know, taste what that hop really, really is like. I mean, we have done blends, but right now the Immortal Soul is a Zaka. So you get that really nice, you know, tropical fruit, mango, papaya, even I, I get pineapple in there with that touch of pine. So you, you know, when someone comes in here and says, oh, wow, this is, you know, they're describing it like, yeah, that's just a Zaka. It's not a blend. It's not. And they're like, oh, and it kind of educates people, you know, and, and what hops taste like i we really enjoy that and uh to to round it out uh, if you're doing a tap takeover you got to have a big dark beer too so what uh, which one would you choose for that i would say if we had to pick one that we brew uh would be imperial line check it's not something that we do all all year round uh it's just a limited release but it's basically our, our porter an imperial version of our porter and it's a 10.2 percent big bodied beer with that i age with cacao nibs and vanilla beans and i actually use vanilla beans in the mash too to really try to seal in those flavors and they're uh, Madagascar bourbon vanilla beans and it it just it's the first time I ever brewed it and it just turned out so nice oddly enough like a month in I, I tasted it out of the fermenter and I was like I don't know if this is gonna work like it's it wasn't it wasn't really coming together and and right at about the two month mark I tasted it and I was like oh okay all right here we go like now it's 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 ready the flavors really kind of melded together and it created a, a, a smoother profile and it turned out really nice and and i think yeah if i had to pick one that would be yeah it, so it definitely doesn't drink like a 10.2 no no which is dangerous <laughs> <laughs> no actually uh jesus couldn't be with us today we've got jim and we've got andy and myself alex but uh jesus couldn't be here today but he wanted to specifically ask about that uh because we did an interview with Ray's grain they're the only folks that we know of who are doing the bourbon barrel aged coffee beans in their beer and talk to us about how that kind of mimics the flavor of aging the beer in a bourbon barrel but uh, you're you're just aging the coffee beans yeah we we um we heard about max is a big coffee drinker jake i'm sure you are oh, yeah. yeah i i'm not a, i love coffee i can't really have the caffeine i had a little issue when i was a child with caffeine overdose so i can't really do a lot of caffeine <laughs> he, he had this stuff at hawthorne and he's like dude like we gotta brew a beer with this 
And our oatmeal brown ale, um, the original version as a home brewer was a coffee oatmeal brown ale. So I was like, all right, well, it's perfect. Let's let's do a coffee oatmeal brown ale with these bourbon barrel aged vanilla beans, vanilla, uh, coffee beans. And um, what they basically do is Hawthorne takes bourbon barrels and they take green unroasted coffee and they age it for, uh, I believe it was like two months. I'm not sure. It's two or three months. And every day they roll it across their floor so the beans get contact with, with, the, uh, with the barrel. And then after that time they roast it. And it, it really takes on a, a completely different uh, flavor profile in the coffee. You get the you get the vanilla, you get the you get the oak. It's the caramel notes to it too, and and it it really just until, was, you, until you try it, like it's it's a very unique coffee beer. Just just purely from the beans, I would I would bet that you're gonna start seeing a lot more from from the area for sure with with that. Yeah, Hawthorne Coffee is knocking that stuff out of the park. Yeah, it's. it's it's really and it's not it's not a you know it's a Colombian roast um, so it's not overly you know it's not a really dark roast so it really you know lets the barrel come through and I think if you if you did roast it longer you'd lose a lot of those really subtle soft delicate notes from the from the barrel. So let's go back to that immortal soul. What what sort of plans do you have on the hop variations that you're working with on that one? I just did a blend last week. I actually used uh, Azaka and I used um, Eldorado Hop Hash, which is uh, first time using it. Basically, they from the pelletizing process, there's leftover um, residue on the pelletizer, and they basically scrape it off and package it. And it's basically like concentrated, you know, lupulin gland. So it's got all the really sticky, awesome flavors from the from the hops. Just extremely concentrated so i did a, a variant on that that'll be coming out in the next week uh just tasted it out of the fermenter and it uh it turned out really good i got another i'm double dry hopping it so i got another addition yet i have a version i did with all experimental uh south african hops and i probably will never get it again but uh, <laughs> i saw at one of the descriptors on uh one of them it described it as a kool-aid I saw Kool-Aid and I was like, sold, done, <laughs> I'm growing uh, And uh, so that's in plans. I do have Galaxy, so I'll be doing a uh, Galaxy Immortal Soul, which I'm really excited about. That'll probably be coming out in August or September. And I think we're gonna be brewing a, a 50 barrel batch of that. So it'll, it should be in stores. We'll probably bomber it probably in September, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. If, if our plans go. So with well. the hop hash, you really don't know what the alpha acid level is. How, how do you, from a technical perspective, maybe, kind of deal with that? Maybe on a bigger scale with like the bigger breweries, they're a lot nicer and will give the <laughs> exact. But uh, on, on when I got it, it said uh, like 12 to 18 or 12 to 19% alpha acid. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we're just going to have to That's see a pretty big this, range. Yeah, big range, yeah. See how this turns out. And it was all, you know, late, really, really late kettle whirlpool additions for the hot hash. So it didn't go too extreme with it, but it definitely, it definitely made it a touch more bitter than we were thinking. But yeah, it's, it's crazy stuff. If you look at it, I mean, it, it looks, it looks like weed. I mean, it's, <laughs> it looks, it's like really sticky and it, it's really like, it looks like a, like a green sticky rock and it's it's crazy and the aromatics are just it's crazy so do you get a big ball that you just toss in to your oil kettle or or do you break it up or i I broke it up a little bit so it wasn't like you know sticking together and i'd be you know i drain off and i just find the (laughs) the all right well i guess i just wasted that so i definitely broke it up but um yeah it was it was interesting to use for sure and I, i found it and from my research it looks like hop hash is mostly dealed out you know in the fall after the harvest so i think i got some of the last you know 
bits of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. We'll see. Fun experiment. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah, and, but it is from a specific varietal. It's just Elder not, Adam, yeah. It's just not like, okay, here's end of harvest. We, you yeah. know, the hop farm just, had 10 different varietals. <laughs> that might be a little I mean, I don't know. <laughs> how often they clean the pellet either. Yeah. Very cool. So when you guys do those bigger batches, you, you guys contract brew out, right? Correct. Yeah, we, we brew, we actually brew at Octopi. How, so, did, how did that relationship develop? Um, well, early early on in our planning, we did like we we're like okay, we're gonna open up a tap room, ten barrel, and we're gonna have all these awesome things, and it's gonna be great, and it's gonna be like a two hundred person you know tap room, and we we're like, all right, well that's the price tag, or we're not doing that, <laughs> uh, and so we we're like, all right, well what 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 if we you know open up a small facility, you know just to to really develop the recipes, and then let's contract our core recipes to to a larger brewery, so we can get our name out there for you know fraction of the uh, dollar amount, so. We originally we talked to like Sand Creek. A friend of mine <clears throat> at the time was he was a lakefront rep. Told me about Octopi. His friend he know him because he was from Chicago. He knew Isaac over at at, at Octopi. He said, well, we should go there. I mean, they've just built a beautiful, brand new you know facility. It's definitely a little big, but it's they have all the the ability to to brew very consistent beer, and and that's a big part of what we want. Obviously, is like any you know good craft you know brewer wants really consistent beer i emailed isaac and he had us up there and, and oddly enough that was like two years ago or it was a year ago so it was not we weren't even like filling out the paperwork yet we haven't even found you know the space that we're in right now and we talked and and we we really liked it we weren't going to do it again after the plans keep changing because they always change and we were like all right let's take you know in the meantime let's self-distribute let's do our core beer let's do loop station and then let's do add slowly add another brand after brand you know talked to Isaac and and he had room and we got in on uh, March 26th I believe March 26th yeah. to Brew Loop Station and and I'm actually going to package it on on Wednesday sure so you mentioned self-distribution there yeah. where are you guys currently self-distributing to where can where can people find your beer other than right here Right now, it's pretty much right here. Right. Yeah. So none of the yeah. craft beer bars or anything like that. We can't make enough right now. We can't now. make enough. Okay. Yeah. We've we've we've. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no we've, complaints. We've thrown six barrels out to a couple of places. Like Champs has had Immortal Soul on, and and I know we just sold a, a six barrel of Loop Station to uh, Champs or not Champs, uh, Brass, Brass Tap. Tap. And I know we did. We gave three six barrels of Huey Lewis and the Booze, which is the bourbon barrel aged coffee bean brown ale, to um, three sellers in Franklin. Um, but that's about it. Other than the Milwaukee Craft Brewery League Tap Takeover events, those are really the only barrels that have escaped the brewery. So now that we have you know 50 barrels of Loop Station to work with, we definitely have a little bit more uh, room to <laughs> yeah to grow. Um, and yeah, self distributing. We're what's being so small. We actually have a couple more hurdles to actually jump over. I mean, we don't have the space to store 50 barrels of beer. That's 140 kegs. Um, we actually had to rent public warehouse space, cold storage space, out in uh, Waukesha, and we needed to get a public warehouse permit. And so, like, there's there's a few more. So now, every time that we you know have a delivery, we have to take our van, drive out to to Waukesha, pick up a pallet or two, and then distribute. 
distributed. So it's it's definitely uh, definitely very different from a lot of the people in town who are even self-distributing. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, starting next week, we'll be doing it. Awesome. So when when you package, you're still packaging directly into kegs. For right now, we are in plans. Hopefully, uh, Octopi is getting their canning line in July. So we will hopefully have loop station and cans by middle to end of July, hopefully. Oh, oh so okay. So Octopi is even providing the, the, the canning line. Yes. Well. Yeah, they have a bottling line and canning line, well, soon to be canning line. You know, we're being musicians and, and we're also golfers too. Like cans are not only better for the beer, but for us and in our, how we go about, you know, life is cans go where bottles can. So like a big part of what we want to do is we want to get our cans at, you know, all the local music venues and, and music festivals around town and, and especially on golf courses and none of them allow bottles. So it was kind of just a, a no-brainer. I mean, we could have we could have bottled Loop Station. It was, wouldn't have been an issue, but, but we uh, decided to, to wait. And that beer, I think, will be even better out of can too. Yeah, it's built for cracking open on a pontoon and having a couple of them. It's going to be an awesome summer beer floating on the river beer right oh yeah absolutely exactly (laughs) patio pounder (laughs) awesome well uh speaking of the beers uh i think we're going to take a little break we're going to pour some beers come back for with a little bit of live tasting uh we're going to talk about the facility that you guys are brewing in we're going to taste some beers we're going to reach into the mailbag for some listener questions and we've possibly got some breaking news here at eagle brewing company we'll be back right after andy's beer news All right, welcome back to Beer News. This is Seuss making a cameo with Andy. And what do we have for Beer News? That's right. This week, we actually have a treat. Going forward, we're going to do a tasting of an easily accessible beer. And this week, we're going to talk about the Nuglaris Strawberry Rhubarb. So the Nuglaris Strawberry Rhubarb will be our brew of choice this week for beer news. This tasty concoction is a thumbprint limited edition that is still readily available in the state of Wisconsin. It reminds us of warm summer days ahead and fresh-baked strawberry rhubarb pie. Not only is it a delicious fruit beer, it only clocks in at 4% ABV, so you can enjoy many more than the beer we usually review. Strawberry rhubarb also is highly tradable as it is a Wisconsin-only beer from our beloved New Glarus. We highly suggest getting some of this before this limited edition beer is gone. So what do you think, Jesus? This is actually everything that you would think a strawberry rhubarb beer would have. It is sweet, has a little bit of tartness, very refreshing. That 4% really is not boozy and compared to the big whales we've been doing, the bourbon barrel aged stouts and the really hoppy beers, it's a great change of pace and really really is a perfect spring beer. I completely agree. I mean, I was surprised. I didn't think I was going to like it. I'm not a big fan of fruit beers, but strawberry up front, subtle tartness from the rhubarb at the back end. You're going to like this beer. I guarantee it. Yeah, and even the appearance, the cloudiness, nice pink of the strawberry. It's it's a great beer. Definitely go out and get it, and let's move on to the beer releases. So, for beer releases, this beer news segment, Goose Island's Cooper Project debuted its first beer this week. It's a bourbon barrel-aged scotch ale that clocks in at 8.7 ABV and does a great job of highlighting caramel, toffee, and roast flavors. It pours a dark brown color with red highlights with caramel notes immediately evident in the aroma. If you want to get your hands on this beer, get to stores now as it most likely will be gone by next week. Make sure you ask for it because it will not be on display. South Carolina Brewery Westbrook has its annual release of Mexican cake. Precious few bottles of this chocolate and pepper wonder stout do hit their distro areas, but the majority sells out at the brewery the date it released 
releases. Mexican Cake's barrel-aged variants will be released later this year. They are a brewery-only release and highly sought after. Mars, a double IPA by Bells, has been re-released after taking an almost three-year hiatus. An intense hopping regime imparts notes of tropical fruits, citrus, and pine. While Munich Malls provide balance and a deep red hue, this dank hop bomb should be readily available at most stores with a craft beer section. If you're planning a trip to Indiana this June, make sure it's around Saturday, June 24th. The Devil's Trumpet Brewing Company will be having its annual release of Heaven's Court. This massive Russian Imperial Stout is blended with El Popular Mexican Chocolate and Dark Matter Coffee. They then age it in Four Roses bourbon barrels, adding another layer of complexity, resulting in a 15% plus ABV. Details of this festival haven't been released yet, so follow their social media to keep this behemoth on your radar. In local brewery news, a big congrats to our friends over at Raised Grain. They had a huge expansion announcement this week. The move is contingent on a conditional use permit for inclusion of a tap room and a restaurant down the road. They will be turning a 20,000 square foot former mattress company into their main production facility, and the Blue Mound Brew House will become a pilot brewery. The new location will allow for a larger, more sophisticated brew house, as well as room for a canning line. This increased capacity will allow Raised Grain to spread distribution to a much wider range, and we can't wait. To see their story and where they started, listen to the Tag Takeover Podcast Episode 6 with Scott and Nick from Raised Grain. Good City Brewing Company also announced an expansion of its space to include a rooftop beer garden. Solomon North Brewery makes its return to Wisconsin distribution this week. Cans available in the Milwaukee and Madison market will be Stangletooth Bandana, a medium-bodied APA, Lou, a Kolsch-style ale, and Old Faithhorn, an American Pale Ale. They will be having events in Milwaukee all this week. The best are either tonight, Wednesday, May 3rd at Ray's Growler Gallery, featuring Fobab award-winning Limousine of the Damned and Chaco Bomb, or Saturday, May 6th at Bernhardt's, where they team up with 18th Street Brewery, who makes its first appearance ever in the state of Wisconsin. Nationally, Founders has plans to expand and open up a brew pub in Detroit. This will be a fully operational brewery as well. It will be located in Midtown Detroit, an up-and-coming cultural hub adjacent to sports arenas and music venues. This 14,000 square foot location, this 14,000 square foot location has a target of winter 2017 for its grand opening. In festival news, May 13th is one of the biggest annual beer events at Three Floyds. It's called Dark Lord Day, in case you didn't already know. Tickets are sold out, but we advise to start planning for next year already. This epic batch every year features the one-day brewery-only release of Dark Lord Russian Imperial Stout at Three Floyds Brewery in Munster, Indiana. On May 26th through the 28th, the Micro at State Fair has its annual Summer Untapped event. Enjoy 50-plus craft beers on draft, a Bloody Mary slash Old Fashioned Bar, and live music. June 3rd is the annual Beer Barons World of Beer Festival in Menominee Falls. This festival features over 350 different beers to sample from, as well as a home brewing contest for you to sample and judge. June 17th gives you three events to choose from. The top of the list for us is Wisconsin Beer Lovers Festival at Bayshore Mall in Glendale. This is always a great event featuring breweries and restaurants from all over the great state of Wisconsin. You may find the Tap Takeover podcast crew at this event as well. Also on the 17th, Good City is having a live music and beer event at their brewery, jam to some tunes, and enjoy not one but two special release beers. The Fermentorium is also having a live music and beer event at their brewery in Grafton. And this has been the Tap Takeover Podcast Beer News. This is Jake. And I'm Jackson. And welcome to the Tap Takeover Podcast. Good luck finding out who's drunk. (laughs) And who's not. (laughs) 
Okay, thanks, Andy, for the amazing beer news. And now let's talk about the beers. I am currently sipping on this Loop Station. I, I gotta say, this is one of the weirdest, coolest, most interesting beers I've had in a long time. It, it's one of those things where, so it's brewed with agave nectar, lime peel, and sea salt. And if I tasted one of those things specifically in this beer, I, I might be put off. But there's such a blend of them that you don't taste any of those one things. They just blend into this this really beautiful beer. What what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, I mean, the, the salt is just a little hint there that I think adds to the flavor. I, I'm curious from Jack to understand how the guave nectar, being a sugar, so it's going to get you know fermented out, yep. but what kind of residue flavor can we get out? Like you said, it, it ferments out like 100%. It's like a, it's like honey. It's in there. I mean, I put it in there. It's a soft, uh, very There's definitely soft some flavor from it. Flavor, yeah. It's like almost, there's almost like a hint. I almost get like a slightly floral note to it. Uh, just a hint. It's just a hint in there. And, and but yeah, it's mostly a, a brewing sugar. And, and I, I think it also adds to the overall, you know, mystique of, you know, if it was just lime peel and sea salt, yeah, it's cool. But like if it's, okay, we, there's agave nectar lime peel and sea salt, it definitely helps with even the branding and a sales aspect of the beer too, which is really important. Yeah, it's very bright, crisp, easy drinking. It's refreshing. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Have you guys had this on tap anywhere other than your own tap house? Had it on at Explorium out in Greendale. We had it, they had, there was a tap takeover Milwaukee Craft Brewery League event there, and, and it was also his opening night. We gave him a barrel on, six barrel on, on Friday. He emailed me, he's like, it went in an hour. Holy oh, wow. He's like, and, like, it was supposed to be for like that Wednesday. We just dropped it off early. I didn't know he was having like, you know, pre opening. Yeah, like events. family and friends parties yeah. and stuff. And, and, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll get you. He's like, how about you get me two? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, we're a little low on beer, but yeah, yeah, sure. We'll you know, we'll, we'll give you two. And then the next night, yeah, we went through them. Can we get two more? <laughs> and I was like, mm, we need to have beer on for this event yeah. on the next yeah. week. Yeah. So. so we're like, all right, we gave it to them on, I believe it was Tuesday, and they open up on Wednesday officially. Two more six barrels for the Craft Brewery League event, gone in like two hours. I, I literally, I said, because the event was at six, I was like, Mike, can you please not tap until six? <laughs> so it could see, there was like a mystique about it. It was the only beer that was held off until the event. I was like, just. Tap it at, I like. I don't want it to run out before the event because you know we it was our, it was our first craft really tap takeover. Those were the first kegs we put out. It was first kegs. Oh, wow. So we were also pretty nervous too. You know, having our first real like, okay, go out there. It's not family and friends. Hopefully, people like it. It was gone by like eight o'clock. Two six barrels and okay, all right. Well, I guess we uh, guess we you arrived that a little bit. Yeah, right? did something right. <laughs> it was well. It was it was pretty cool. I mean, you're a, a home brewer. You know, you have your family and friends try your beer and you're like like waiting for them. To say it's really good or oh my god <laughs> or, or the, you know like the, the like the classic like kind of like through their teeth grin like it's really good i love it i want to drink this a lot and i think for us to be there and to kind of see okay people are ordering it i'm not saying hey try this try this you know they they ordering it and like i had i was um at the bar you know waiting to order a beer and some of the servers came up and were like hey hey people are asking like is loop station on at six it, it was really cool feeling or like and then we sat down for dinner at the table and my my dad of course being a homer uh ordered a, a a loop station and she was like oh my that's my favorite beer on tap so it was a really cool feeling it's kind of selfish of us but it was a great feeling 
I think what I thought was coolest about that event was it was the first time we had our beer in front of our peers in the industry. It kind of solidified us as, yeah, we're actually, we know what we're doing. Because before <laughs> that, we were the youngest kids on the block and just a homebrewing background. So we didn't get paid much mind. Yeah, and you, you know... You, that was understandable, for sure. And we, we'd gone to the events before, you know, when we were not established yet, you know, when we moved into our brewery and all, we were approved in, uh, federally and moved in in August, but we weren't, didn't get our state till like early November. So we'd go to the event and you know support the cause and and you know we talk to these guys and they're all super awesome guys every single one of them but you know there's obviously that little bit of like oh okay you get, so what do you what do you what do you go experience you guys have you like a home brewing and they kind of just look at you like oh good for you you know and they say yeah. it nicely they're not being pat mean. you on the head yeah they're not being right, mean yeah. but but they're like they're kind of just saying well good luck to you man yeah. like and i think yeah like jake said for them to like when someone like i, I think you know matt from d14 at city lights had it for the first time he's like it's a really good beer you know good job guys and i was just like oh all right awesome so even though loop station kind of defies a particular beer style are you thinking of entering into any of the larger festivals that award medals i think we're going to take the rest of this year off from any of competitions I, I think we definitely will in the future but right now i think our focus is getting beer out to the people around you know milwaukee especially in the immediate future and really honing in who we are and getting really good at brewing really good beer and you know i'm not saying that we're not there yet but but we're always learning and we're always getting better and i don't want to submit anything until we're like all right we've done this for this long time like we're really this is just really consistent we're really happy with this we're getting great feedback now try to get some credit if you will from from the you know beer community i think we'd actually have some problems submitting that beer in particular just for how category yes well and it was interesting that actually in the in the last gabf there was no gold medal awarded for pumpkin or squash beer because none of the beers submitted actually fit that style so they said no one wins the gold because none of y'all uh, have read beer style guidelines <laughs> and, and that's that's a hard thing for for us too because you know i i don't always brew beer that fits 100 to a style and it's like oh this is like yeah. the definition of a check right. pilsner this is the definition of you know an, an imperial ipa like there's i i like to i like to use them as guidelines but that's a real challenge going forward is we have a lot more craft brewers there's over 5,000 now and similar to you you're really challenging uh, beer styles as they're dictated by the BJCP uh, because you're just looking to brew great beers regardless of the adjuncts or the flavors so it's really going to be a challenge for those people to kind of bring in and, those beers and get the notoriety because you yeah. know winning yeah winning a gold medal at the GABF that's a huge deal I mean look at look at Paradox at, at Ray's Grain I mean that really got them a lot of notoriety and a, a lot of credit for a brewery that could have fantastic beers and don't fit the style they could be getting boned on it it's tough uh, do you think there should be any laws changed to help uh, smaller breweries. There's uh, something that we dealt with that was pretty interesting and kind of unique to us was the Tidehouse laws in Wisconsin. Part of the three-tier system, brewery, distributor, and uh, bar owner. Post-prohibition. Originally put in place to prevent um, monopolies happening, that kind of thing. But now it doesn't really apply anymore. And since Jack and Max both were bartenders when we were applying for our license, it couldn't happen. So the guys on in Enlightened ran into the same thing. And we were the first ones to be allowed to still bartend and own a brewery. Just as long as we agreed not to sell our beer at those bars. Yeah, we had to get we had to get the owners of the restaurants to sign off agreements saying they're not gonna serve our beer as long as we're employed there. You know the the TTV the state TTV had to go to the bar and 
and look at the sales. The sales couldn't be above 60, 40 uh, food to, to liquor oh sales. <laughs> and like, it was a big thing. And, and yeah, that law definitely, I think, is, is, is ridiculous because, like Jake said, it, it doesn't apply anymore. As if me selling, you know, to my own bar and selling an extra half barrel a month, you know, is really creating monopoly. Man, we're really screwing everybody over in the industry because I get an extra <laughs> barrel in. Now, we delved in a little bit that you guys are going to start self-distributing. What's the barrel limit that you guys can't go over? In Illinois, they told us it was 7,500 barrels and they couldn't... Illinois is really tough. Yeah. That, they have a really tough... Just that whole system down there is is crazy. Um, I think ours is like two hundred fifty thousand barrels. It's okay. a lot. It's a lot. We can, we can <laughs> we be like nuclear size and 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 be fine. And I think the, we were going to go with the distributor too because oh, all the like I said the issues that I talked about earlier with with having to store and having renting storage space for our kegs and, and having to go pick it up. We were just going to be like, all right, let's brew it at Octopi. Let's have it a distributor come pick it up from the brewery, and now we don't have to worry about any sort of expense as far as distribution. Your margins aren't nearly as good obviously but you don't have to worry about that you still have to sell the beer but it's way better and and you know the, the more and more we dove into you know distributors and and you know max and i have been working with distributors on the other side of the bar for for a number of years now it's you get lost i mean especially as a small brewery as a small brewery especially because you know when you have goose island yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna and have you have quotas and you and they're like you have to hit these quotas for us or else or or you know the they're getting pressure because there's a lot more money made on selling goose island because why would why why would a, a local sales rep go to a bar and say, all right, I got this awesome, really new local craft beer that is fantastic and, and, and sell it because if he sold that, it's not going towards his quotas to get his bonuses because he has to sell so much Budweiser and Goose Island and Lagunitas in a month. No, he's going to hit his quotas first. And then if he's got time left over, he's going to go, all right, now I can say, all right, now let's sell this barrel. Let's, let's sell this brewery. And that's, that's why we were like, all right, let's self-distribute long enough to where we there is a demand for our product there is there's reason for a distributor to, to pick us up and now they're going to be like all right we can sell them there's money here we can push them i think that's what's really interesting about a lot of the breweries that we speak with you guys are coming up not because it's so easy because of the laws to make beer but despite that you guys are coming up and, and the fact that so many breweries are coming up really speaks to the fact that the consumer wants craft beer and the fact that you guys really love making craft beer and and i think that's that's a really beautiful thing yeah we uh it's definitely a very rewarding industry to be in there's definitely a romanticism to it when you tell someone for the past year or so that oh i'm working on opening up a brewery everyone's like wow that's awesome <laughs> and but then there's the other handful of people like oh another brewery so <laughs> to people that aren't in the craft beer industry or involved in craft beer much to see the growth for them is kind of shocking and uh it's really helping everyone out i think as far as getting new people into craft beer which is really cool and uh, i think that's why we're doing so well with our loop station is it's super approachable for those people who are used to drinking your macro beers yeah and, and going back to like jake said about the you know romanticism of it from us you know we're musicians and you know brewers and both categories is not i mean it's not saying there's no money in it but it's a it's a more tough you know line of, of work i mean being a musician i i mean we play we've played as far as western iowa and as far south as you know southern illinois and and it, it's like there's no money in it we love it we love playing live we love when we get a great crowd it's like the best thing ever it's the same thing with craft beer obviously we we're going to grow this to be as big as we possibly can and we're going to love every second of it and it's it's a lot of work but what's beautiful about it is you know especially for me i brew three batches to fill a one barrel for 
documentary. Like it's a good 12 hour day with cleanup and everything, you know, and yeah, it's kind of tough getting out of bed to be like at, you know, at 6 a.m. being like, all right, I gotta get up. But you know, as soon as I get that beer in the fermenter and I pitch the yeast, I'm just like, job well done. You know, it was a very satisfying feeling to it. So now you're obviously going into like a brand building phase. Yes. For this summer. Correct. What are, what are, what are some of your upcoming events that you're going to use to build the brand either here at the brewery or out in the community and also with your music? Any plans on intertwining the two? Well, start with the music. Uh, from a music standpoint, yes. Uh, we are always up for combining the two. I mean, we, uh, this last show, we're going to sell a barrel, a six barrel to the venue and there'll be Eagle Park beer on and Eagle Trace playing. Definitely our plan in the future. Well, the plan right now, I guess. It's always changing. <laughs> uh, so we do want to open up our own facility and bring all our production in-house, at least most of it. Um, so in that facility, we do want to have a concert venue as well. So be both things under the same roof. It's been a concept we've had since the beginning and something we're really passionate about. That's kind of the end dream, I guess. But, I mean, we, we like to do events, too. I mean, we're, we have a, a Cinco de Mayo event coming up. Um, we're going to have a, a food truck, you know, taco truck and loop station. We, were, we, we should have. We were going to book a mariachi band, but <laughs> we, we uh, kind of pansied out a little bit. You know, it would have been so loud in here. So loud. <laughs> a horn section in, a, in this room would have been a little ridiculous. So we're just going to have to settle for mariachi music on. Things like that, you know, we're really getting our name out. I think something that's uh, unique to us in our location here is that we are in the same building as another brewery and a distillery. So we're going to do a lot of joint events this summer. So that should be pretty cool for people. You can park once and drink at three places that are making really awesome liquid in Milwaukee. So are there any festivals that people will be able to try your beer at? I'm working on a bunch uh, right now, but nothing set in stone as far as that goes. We're, because we're so new, we kind of got a late start on the summer festival season. We're not we, on the mailing list yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're so, uh, I mean, we opened in January 28th, so we were so focused on getting open. And then once we opened, so focused on growing the tap room and brewing the beer next door and freaking out, oh my God, are we going to have enough beer? That it just kind of, you know, slipped by us. And all of a sudden we're like, all right, now we need to start. Uh, it's, it's April. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, stay tuned to uh, the beer news section of the Tap Takeover podcast, and we'll be giving you updates on Eagle Park as far as what they're going to be doing this summer. Uh, so you guys talked about uh, rubbing elbows with some of the big boys in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Brewing Company and Lakefront. Uh, I had heard a little bit of a rumor that you guys are doing a little bit of a collaboration with one of those breweries. Uh, care to speak to that? It's a really cool event that we're doing in Milwaukee Craft Brewery League uh, this summer during the uh, Beer Bloggers Conference that's going to be here. I believe it's the end of July, first week of August. It's like the crossover. It's a crossover week. Basically, each day is going to be a different event. And one of the events is a tap takeover of all Milwaukee Craft Brewery League collaboration beers. We talked to Milwaukee Brewing Company and decided that we were going to partner with them. Working out the style right now, but so far, you know, it's summer. I wanted to brew something, you know, very bright and drinkable. So I think we're talking about doing a Belgian Saison or a single and dry hopping it and using, um, I believe, Australian summer. Yeah. So it's just going to be a really nice, hmm. bright table beer that, you know, you can just drink all day. And we were talking about doing like a big, crazy, you know, Imperial Stout or, or doing, you know, a double IPA or, but, you know, we were like, or a, a sour or a kettle sour or something like that. But, you know, it's like, it's summer. Let's, let's put something out there that is really refreshing and adds to the, and it's also very different from what everyone else is doing. So it's, it's also just adding to the tap takeover too.
too. So it's not like, you know, double IPA, double IPA, imperial style, <laughs> sour, sour, sour. Something to stand out a little yes. bit. Yeah, yeah, it's different by association. And just because a beer is not like this crazy big 8.2% beer brewed with hibiscus flour and lemongrass and, you know, like all these crazy, doesn't mean the beer can't be really awesome. And I think that's why we decided on, on that beer. We'll see if that changes. But yeah, there's some time yet. There's some time to, to second guess. But yeah. So you guys have had a, a bit of a history of working with another brewery, that being Enlightened. Uh, so you guys are in their former space. What have been the advantages and challenges to dealing with another brewery space that you guys have taken over? There was The only challenge is the size of the room. It is by far the smallest brewery in the city. <laughs> it's the shortest tour. You walk in and pretty much turn into 360 and you get the whole picture. It's, uh, yeah, it's like 450 square feet. So that that is the main challenge. I mean, when you have all this equipment, okay, trying to figure out, all right, this has got to go here and this has got to go there. I mean, if, if we had like a 5,000 square foot warehouse, it'd be like, all right, all right, warehouse is going to go there. We can get the space here. Like we can walk there. Like it's really like it gets tight in there, especially when I, on brew days when I'm moving pumps around. And, and right now we're in the process of moving out some of the smaller fermenters and they're still in there. So it's definitely getting more and more cramped. You know, we get asked all the time, well, you know, you guys going to do any barrel aged beers. I'm like, we'd love to. <laughs> we'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> short of short of them, you know, being in the in the tap room, or you can or, use them as seats. Yeah, pretty exactly. much. That would be the only option. And yeah, so like it, that would be the challenge for sure. Um, you know, because even even for expansion, you know, if we really wanted to add more fermenters, I don't know where we would put them right now. And so that's that's definitely a tough. But the the positive side was it was pretty much set up for our setup. I mean, like we basically moved in. We had to put a hood in, but but that was that was pretty much it. I Even mean, legally, it was easy because it was already, they'd already registered the place as a brewery, so they're like, okay, why not another one? <laughs> yeah, and, so, and, and the Enlightened guys are awesome. Super nice guys, uh, very down to earth, and any question that I ever had, I, I remember, <laughs> embarrassing, but I remember getting the bright tank and everything, and I was like, hey James, can you show me how to use it? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, yeah, just do this, and he, he was super helpful, came up and was like, alright, this is what you want to do, and, and anytime there's a question, he's got a a C box. It's a device that measures O2 levels and and CO2. And every now and again, when I want to check, I mean, it's a twenty thousand dollar piece of equipment. I ask him, and he's like, "Yeah, sure." Comes up, puts it on the bright tank, hooks it up, does the does the check for me, and no big deal. I mean, they're they're great. So it's been a really awesome thing. Well, and if you need to borrow a cup of malt, he's right there for you. Exactly. And that, that's actually that's actually happened. <laughs> It's actually happened. Or, or uh, hey, do you have any uh, Liberty Hops? Yeah, yeah, I got some here. Or uh, a CO2 tank. Oh, I ran out of CO2 for the day. Can you? Yeah, no big deal at all. So it's it's really nice. So it seems to be a lot of camaraderie in the, the Milwaukee area with the craft breweries. Yes, extremely so. Well, especially when you guys are dealing with so many laws that, uh, you know, outdated laws that are kind of pushing against you as far as coming up as a as an organic kind of brewery. It's it's really good to see that you guys have kind of locked you know locked arms together and yeah. said let's let's the more, fight this a little bit. The more together we are, the the more powerful we are for sure. And and I think that's the main reason we got together was was to help you know fight some of these laws and and to really work together and with the common you know struggles that we have how to get around them and and as a whole you know to promote milwaukee craft beer it's it's awesome when nobody's playing taking their ball and going home at least that hasn't happened yet. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys sitting down with us. I, it looks like we're almost out of beer here, guys. Yeah, we for, drank them dry. <laughs> so for, uh, for me, for Alex. Andy. I'm Jim. Jake. Jackson. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next time. Thank All right. You. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. This has been a solid non-fail production. No